Hello and welcome to Bizarre Conspiracies. My name is Eric Patino. And I'm Conrad Toll. Hello, California. For some reason, you you listeners out in California are uh, you're beating our, our Texan listeners here. So Texas, you gotta step up. Come on. Anyways, day. Well, you, you've got you've got you've gotta preclude that with what they're beating them with. We have more California listeners than we do Texas listeners. You, you gotta make I sure I said that, that. that I I just heard you that the the California listeners were beating the Texas listeners, and you didn't, <laughs> didn't say with what. Well, uh, it, I felt like it was implied when I said the listeners. So, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, all California listeners that listen to our podcast thank are you beating. very much. Yeah, thank you. Um, send us an email. I, I really want to know um, why you listen to the show. I'm very curious. I've been to California a handful of times. Where, uh, didn't you live in California at some time? Uh, my parents did. Oh. I, okay. I Well, I, I guess I technically did, but technically not. I was only there for a month or two. And um, yeah, some parts of it I like. Some parts, uh, a lot of parts of it I don't like. Uh, but I like Northern California because uh, I was there when it snowed and it was really nice. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. So yeah, yeah. come on, Texas. So today we're going to be talking about the Rittenhouse uh, trial, and I'm going to come out swinging. All right, I got I hope some. You do, yeah. I got some controversial opinions. Can we right. can we clarify a lot of things that were said about uh, Kyle Rittenhouse? As suppose. Um, so one of the things uh, I guess we should do a summary of the Kyle Rittenhouse because I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't know what we're talking about. Kyle Rittenhouse, right? He was a teenager who went to protests in Wisconsin, uh, and a 17-year-old kid from Illinois, uh, multiple videos taken of him throughout the the night that we're going to be talking about, and then the trial that we're going to be talking about. But he was there to what, Conrad? He was Um, there because he wanted to... Well, what he said is that he um, was there to protect... And help out his community. But I don't know if he explicitly said protect. I think he just said help his community. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, heard, I heard help a lot. However, I would say that he personally, I'd say that he was um, there to not protest, but to, I'd say, counter riot. I would say that he was there as a visual deterrent to uh, mm-hmm. uh Rioting, which I don't think that he would actually say because saying something like that may have hurt his defense. But um, so I think he stuck with the narrative that he was there just to be of assistance. But I think he was trying to be a visual deterrence. Could he have possibly been hired to help? He. Ah. <laughs> we'll get into that. Later. His friend was his friend was definitely hired. Yeah. Whether he was hired or not, I don't know. I bet I'm pretty sure that you if if his friend had been actually paid, mm-hmm. if nothing had gone down that night, I bet he would have probably received some monetary compensation. But <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he did say that he was there to help protect the business, right? Um, the business there there was car source. Yeah. And there was one article that said that claims he said he called it his job. So that's why I brought it up. Could he have possibly been hired? But I mean, like I said, we'll get into that when it comes up. Uh, but then later, uh, um, uh, uh, some guy who was uh, recording him, 
you know, said, yeah, I, I'm just here to help. And in that same video, he uh, also claimed that he was pepper sprayed by somebody in a nearby crowd while protecting the property, which I did see that video and it did look like his eyes were uh, teared up from pepper spray. So <clears throat> well, not only that, but his skin looked inflamed. inflamed. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was red for sure. Um, it did look irritated, so I'm going to say that's true, but there's one, there's another thing that, uh, kept being said about, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse that he, he drove over state lines armed. And I don't think that's true. I don't think he was armed while he was, uh, being driven across state, state lines. Um, I think he no, was armed. I think he was armed after he got there. Yeah, no, he arrived there and his friend, uh, one of his friends, there's, there's two, uh, I think friends that come up quite a bit in this, but two of his friends, uh, there was a friend who was the, uh, who had, was a previous employee of car source. And then there was his other friend. I think his name was, I think he's Mr. Black. Anyway, he, he had the gun, which he then gave to Kyle, which we had, mm. which was in side of Wisconsin when it happened. Right. And so they were at that building and at the time that he was doing that, um, I, I suppose, interview with the fella at um, you, you mentioned uh, that he had been pepper sprayed. Right. That video went on and Kyle in that video is walking along with the fella who is recording him. Mm-hmm. And in that one, they are moving north. Their direction is not really too awfully important, but. There's north and south, and I'll, I'll just keep it like that. The east and west movements really don't matter all that much. Mm. They were going north, uh, away from car source, and they went up um, close to the courthouse in Kenosha, which was, was the center point of um, that night's demonstrations. And <laughs> <laughs> can you hear that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, how fitting. <laughs> wow. It's, uh, must be yeah. a pretty big emergency there. <laughs> All right. It's passed. <laughs> uh, while he was up there, he went with, um, the friend who had given him the rifle, Mr. Black. Uh, well, when they went up north, they passed a police line. That police line had, um, told them that they were going to, um, uh, they were going to, uh, Oh, gosh, I just lost my entire train of thought. They were going north past the police line. The police line was had pushed people towards the courthouse and to keep the, um, mm. I, I guess, the demonstrations more localized to the courthouse area. Mm-hmm. And he moved north of that line into the demonstrations. And he moved around a bit and ended up at a gas station there. While he was at the gas station, he received a, friend, a call from uh, the friend who was back at Car Source who told him that there was a fire down in car lot three and so he's headed back south down from car oh i should mention uh rittenhouse i suppose was at the the gas station shouldn't i yes because that's that's where you really first see rittenhouse uh this is where the video takes place where there's a a a bald man who is jumping up and getting in people's faces and yelling shoot me repeatedly interesting Um, because there was some other uh I suppose anti-rioters there at the moment and Mm -hmm. they were uh, protecting, I suppose, a gas station and he didn't like their, I guess Rosenbaum did not like their, um, them being there. So he decided to 
get in their face. Um, that was uh, that was before the first shooting, right? Yes. Okay, so I have here, uh, about 15 minutes before the first shooting, the police officers drove past Mr. Rittenhouse and other armed civilians who claimed to be protecting the dealership. Mr. Rittenhouse walked up to the police vehicle carrying his rifle and talks to the officers. He eventually leaves the dealership and is uh, barred by the police from returning. Six minutes later, the footage shows Mr. Rittenhouse being chased by an unknown group of people into the parking lot of another dealership several blocks away. Now, I did see that video where he was being chased by a group of people, and I I don't know if that's the one this one's talking about, but the one I saw, I definitely saw the one with uh, the guy with the skateboard who was uh, trying to hit him. Anthony Huber. Right, that guy. He, um, not trying to hit him, I suppose, did hit him. He did hit him. And, uh, if I remember, okay, if I remember correctly, somebody pushed him down first, and then the guy with the skateboard hit his head with a skateboard, and then, uh, Rittenhouse shot, right? And I believe the guy with the skateboard got shot in his chest? Uh, yes. So, um... He was knocked down by a fellow that they call uh, Jump Kick Man <laughs> in the trial. Because, uh, um, no, actually, I believe he was he tripped first and then jumped. Uh, he, so I don't believe anyone actually um, knocked him down. I think he fell down on his own. And then Jump Kick Man. Uh, it kind of looked like he got knocked down, but yeah, he could have tripped. And then uh, Jump Kick Man tried to, um, uh, did, did sort of jump at him and then ended up, kicking either him in the face or at his face and then moving away. And as he moved away, uh, Kyle shot at him, but missed. Then uh, Anthony Huber came up, hit him with the skateboard. And then he got shot. Uh, And he he hit him with his right, uh, Anthony Huber hit with his uh, skateboard in his right hand. And then with his left hand, he tried grabbing the, uh, the rifle. And you can see very clearly in the, the video at this point that, Anthony Huber grabs the rifle and is pulling on it, but in pulling on it, he actually points it at himself, and right. that's when uh, Kyle shoots him. And then I believe uh, the guy behind, um, what'd you say his name was, Anthony? Anthony Huber. So uh, Anthony Huber came from kind of the northish direction and hit him with the skateboard, mm-hmm. and as he was pulling on the rifle and he got shot. He staggered off south of Kyle from there and then right. coming. So he was, he kind of went all the way around Kyle. Uh-huh. He was a little bit off to the, the, uh, the east. No, that'd be to the west a little bit as he hit him and then moved around and moved off to, um, the south. But as he was, after he got shot, he was kind of on the south side already of Kyle coming up from the south with another man um, Gage Grosskoitz and Gage Grosskoitz ha- had a pistol. Right, and then he got shot in his hand, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was another man that at the at this incident before the part where he got chased where he shot Rosenbaum uh-huh. way back at the beginning of all of this, you know, after he was moving back south towards Carsource, the Carsource 3, which is where it all started because he was moving back north again towards the police line after the shooting started. Uh, Rittenhouse was uh, Rosenbaum because uh, uh, they were both originally north of the line in uh, the gas station. They both started moving south again after um, after 
I don't know exactly what happened, but after a few minutes, they both moved south. I believe um, a Rosenbaum had started a trash fire along the way uh, in a trash can. It wasn't one of the dumpster fires. He had started two dumpster fires previously. Mm -hmm. This was a different one, which was not very significant, but it was just a regular trash can. Anyway, uh, he moved south towards Car Source at about the same time that Kyle came by. Uh, and Kyle passed him at Rosenbaum into Car Source on the north side. And then Kyle passed him just slightly. And then uh, this is where there, another fellow came into um, uh, the story um, Joshua Zeminski. Joshua Zeminski had a pistol and was standing in Car Source 3. They both Rittenhouse uh, and uh, Zeminski had never met each other before. Uh, and why Zeminski had a pistol, I don't know. But he did have a pistol uh, at the time, um, which was in a video which was not actually submitted as evidence in the trial. Um, Interesting. And then that's when uh, Rittenhouse chased, um, came up behind uh, Kyle Rittenhouse and chased him back further south on the parking lot where mm. um, Kyle Rittenhouse shot and killed Rosenbaum. And then after that, Kyle moved north again. Um, it is, I suppose, minor detail that um, Zeminski did fire the first shot of the night. Uh, he fired in the air as um, Rittenhouse was chasing, uh, was running from uh, Rosenbaum. And then, so it was like, I don't know, two seconds before uh, Rittenhouse shot Z uh, Rosenbaum. Uh, yeah, then so before, fast forward all the way to the point after uh, Kyle shot um, Gage Grosskreutz in the arm. He then gets up and then moves all the way north to the police line. And that's kind of the end of the incident, really. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, so uh, the police response was kind of weird because while all that shooting was happening, they were, I think, just a block away, and they didn't move until Rittenhouse started walking up. With his hands up uh, towards the vehicle. No, they were moving before then. It's just it took them a while to get going. They started moving when they heard gunshots. And then they drove past Rittenhouse. And you can see in the video, they, they kind of tell him to move out of the way. And to uh -huh. keep going forward so that they could assist the victims. Well, and, and that was they, kind of the end of that video. They didn't assume that Kyle was the fella shooting because no their immediate they, assumption was that the the person who was shooting would be running from them and that Kyle was just some but also, bystander of some kind at, so at, when Kyle it, I was going to say in that video though as he was walking towards the police uh vehicles uh there were a number of people yelling that's the shooter but the um and Kyle walked up to one of the cars uh this yeah, is not did. in the video uh, but he walked up to one of the cars and the police officer in the car actually testified to this. And he said that he got out of the car and pepper sprayed um, Rittenhouse. But um, I, he, I, Rittenhouse was saying that he, he, was, he was trying to explain to the police officer what was going on. But the police officer said he didn't remember hearing any of that and actually was said that he was not paying attention to anything that Rittenhouse was saying, was just telling Rittenhouse to go away. And they didn't want him near the car because <laughs> he was like, I don't want I because he didn't know what was going on. And he sees Kyle coming up and Kyle's got a gun 
He's like, no, you move away. And so he pepper sprayed him so that way he could continue moving forward Mm -hmm. because he didn't really care about Kyle. He assumed that Kyle was not part of it. And he was just like, no, you have nothing that um, I need from you. And I don't want you slowing me down. I need to get to more important things where there's gunshots going on down this way. (laughs) I think that if the police officer had known what was going on, his response would have been very, very different. Uh, Are you ready for my controversial opinions, Eric? Uh, Yeah. I mean, this whole case is full of controversial opinions. (laughs) Okay. So I suppose my first one is the least uh, controversial. And that is, uh, I believe that... Rittenhouse that night and everything that he did was innocent, legal, even moral, but also stupid. I agree with you on that. (laughs) In the trial, I I actually want to know why the mother of a, why the mother of a 17 year old will drive his son to a protest. That's a, I don't know. an interesting one. Yeah. But, um, my real controversial ones I'd say is I like Binger, the district attorney. And I actually think that he did a semi-decent job. And I don't know if anything I was about this, this guy. Uh, he, he's the main prosecutor in okay. the case. And I would have prosecuted uh, Rittenhouse if I was that fella as well. Uh, another one that's not really too controversial is I don't necessarily believe that the skateboard itself was um, deadly force. But I would say that by the mere presence of acting in a group, everyone armed or unarmed, if you're chasing somebody, um, 10 plus people, even if they're all unarmed, is quite a deadly threat. So yeah, I don't believe uh, that well, a skateboard is deadly force at all. The, if the it skateboard just been, itself wasn't deadly, no, but the intent was. His intent was. Well, so if um, if Anthony Huber had just run up at, with a skateboard mm-hmm. and it was just an empty street, there was just two people on that street, Rittenhouse and Anthony Huber. Anthony Huber had whacked Kyle with a skateboard with one hand, one-handed whack with a skateboard. I I wouldn't expect that to cause death or great bodily harm. Though I would say that him grabbing the rifle and yeah, uh, all the other things are um, <laughs> would would constitute a deadly threat. But I just say that the skateboard alone, which is which is funny because a lot of people that believe that Kyle was innocent like to play up you know, how dangerous is getting whacked in the head with a skateboard is. And I'm like, nah, that's not the, if I was Kyle, I wouldn't be scared of all of the skateboard. I've been whacked by a skateboard before. <laughs> um, Kyle isn't a Texan though. Here, here's another one. Here's another one that I think is uh, my, one of my controversial opinions. I believe Gage Groskoitz could have legally killed Rittenhouse. If he had run up and just shot Kyle, I think he would have been justified in what he did. And really? my final one, I don't My final I, one. I guess I'm not surprised by that, yeah. Is I don't mourn Rosenbaum and I wish I knew more about Anthony Huber. <laughs> well, let's Now I would put these some of them both some of these people like I don't think that one's at all controversial <laughs> and other and but they would think some of them are more controversial. It it kind the, of the is because I, uh, there's there was a tweet going uh viral about Rosenbaum being a victim, right? Uh-huh. They called him a victim and he shouldn't have been killed and all this because he was just there uh, post- protesting for Black Lives Matter. Here's the thing, though. Uh, Rosenbaum, right, was caught uh-huh. saying the N-word during the protest. I don't know if that came up during the trial. Uh, it did. It came out, like, and- multiple <laughs> times. It, it was kind of weird because Rosenbaum, 
And he's a convicted child molester. Yeah, that one's... I don't think that either of those are particularly important when it comes to legality of what happened that no, night. No, it's not, but I'm saying I think he's he not a victim to, is what I'm trying uh, to get across. He, he was not a victim. He well, was not still there be, because of Black Lives Matter. Probably not. Probably no, not. no. I, even the, the most of the people there that were there because of Black Lives Matter that, that did testify who were brought forward by the prosecutor and were like, well, you were protesting that night. What did you think of, uh, did you think that Rosenbaum was acting dangerous towards anyone? They're like, and they, uh, or, or what did you think of him and that sort of thing? Their general opinion of Rosenbaum is crazy. Almost everyone who testified testified that Rosenbaum was not hitting um, on all the cylinders. Something wasn't right about him. He was, mm. he was, he was not right. Um, Anthony Huber, though, I mean, I don't know much about Anthony Huber um, at all. I mean, he was a felon, a convicted felon. He had served time, but I don't necessarily know what that, because to be justified in what you do, you have to act as a reasonable person would. If, If there's a felon, okay, and he stumbles across somebody who's committing murder, just because he's a felon doesn't mean that he's not allowed to do what is the so, saying sober prudent thing in that situation if he sees a chance to stop somebody from committing murder that doesn't necessarily make sure. him a bad person sure so my main question is what did what was going through anthony huber's mind when he was chasing um he, Rittenhouse? he, he took the stand right he was he was at the trial. No, no, no that's gage grossgroids anthony huber was a guy who was a skateboard who got shot and died so oh. no he did not take the stand i thought the dude with the long hair was the guy with the skateboard I think both might have had long hair. I don't know. I I, gotcha. I don't think that Anthony Huber had long hair. He was wearing a uh, a beanie. I think. Right. That yeah. Night. Yeah. He had a hat on. Um. But uh, Gage Grotzkoitz. I don't think he had long hair really either. I mean, I wouldn't say it's short, but it wasn't past his neck. Um. <clears throat> but so what? What? Why was he trying to stop Kyle? Is a, a question. And why is he whacking him with a skateboard? Mm-hmm. Um. And that, so the answers to those questions, we will probably never have. I don't know what he saw, which is why I think that Gage Grosskreutz would have, could have legally killed Rittenhouse because he actually was recording on his phone. He was live streaming and that was brought into testimony is he never saw uh, Rittenhouse get, sh- uh, um, a Rosenbaum get shot by Rittenhouse. All he heard was gunshots. He moved towards the gunshots and then he heard people he he actually ran into um, Rittenhouse first, and he had a conversation with Rittenhouse. But Rittenhouse, well, it wasn't a conversation. He asked Rittenhouse a question, and then Kyle replied. I think he said, "Did you shoot somebody or something like that?" And then Kyle said, "I forget what Kyle actually said, but R- R- Gage Grosskreutz did not hear exactly what he said. He thought that Kyle had said, "I'm working with the police." But what mm-hmm. Kyle said was something like, I'm going to the police or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't make a lot of sense. So, you know, in in the heat of a moment, if the, there's something happening and somebody says something, you go, that doesn't make sense. I mean, clearly, Kyle was not working with the police. He wasn't old enough. He didn't even look close to being old enough to working with a police. Uh, he didn't look like a police officer. He didn't look like an undercover police co- officer. I mean... He didn't have sunglasses on. He couldn't have been an undercover police no. <laughs> Anyway, um, but yeah, if you look at undercover police officers, generally 
they wear uh, business attire, right? I I suppose uh, I don't I don't really know. Yeah, some of the eh. it depends on what they're undercover for, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, but most of them will typically be wearing. Uh, well, it doesn't really matter, but he didn't look like a police officer, in in any sense, and it doesn't make sense how he could be working with the police. So if I heard that, I would generally assume that I must have heard them wrong, and I think that even. When you misunderstand what somebody says, typically you know that you misunderstood them, you know? You're like, I think he said this, but that doesn't make sense. I don't know. Did I hear that? I'm not sure. So I really don't think that basing what uh, Kyle Rittenhouse said to Gage Grossreutz is an accurate thing to be judging off of because... But he didn't immediately try and stop Kyle because he didn't know what was going on. And then he went back towards where all the people were and all the people were yelling, get him talking about Kyle and so that's when he started follow and he was like oh it was this guy who shot somebody so when he ran up on Kyle he didn't know really much except that Kyle had shot somebody and now he's out here shooting more people so I really don't think that it would be illegal for him to assume and act in self-defense of other people and try and kill Kyle I really could, don't think that, that could the family of Gage sue Kyle uh Gage is alive so Gage or, or the guy, the guy, the guy. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm getting the names confused. Yes. The guy with the skateboard. Could his family sue Kyle? Yes, but I mean, really, anyone. Uh, you don't have to have valid reasons to sue someone. Do you think? Do I think that they could get a judgment from him? Absolutely not. I don't think anyone could sue Kyle and get a judgment. It, it, the because then what they would be doing, they'd go to court that he did not act, and then. Uh, appropriately and that he killed someone needlessly and then that would be very hard to get someone a jury because yeah. it, sometimes it wouldn't even be a jury sometimes it would just be a judge uh, that would just be mm. ruling uh, in that as the fact finder and the question would be preponderance of the evidence uh, and I really don't think that you could get a settlement out of him and here's the biggest reason I don't think that they would sue Kyle Rittenhouse is Kyle Rittenhouse doesn't have money yeah, he's just suing for ten. You you sue a seventeen now eighteen year old kid for what ten million dollars? <laughs> I mean, the odds of that kid even having ten million dollars over the course of his whole life is pretty slim, and the odds that he'll even pay that to you is even smaller because the courts don't just take every dollar that the guy makes and give it sure. to you. He'll probably just. You would probably just sue for bankruptcy, and then all you have is a legal bill on your hand at that point. Well, why would you sue Kyle? It, it just there's probably no reason that anyone ever sue him. And if they sued him for a smaller amount, they, they you could imagine that they'd pay. Let, let's say you sued Kyle for like five hundred dollars or something, <laughs> something that he could pay. You probably wouldn't even make it to court. You'd probably end up settling outside of court before that even got there because it's such a small amount of money. So no lawyer fees would be more than that. Yeah, nobody's gonna. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah no, no one's, no one's probably gonna sue Kyle. Um, well, hey, this is a good place to uh, take a break, so we're gonna go ahead and do that. And when we come back, we will talk about our final conclusions on the on the entire matter. So don't go away. And we're back from the break. Hello, California. So. <laughs> And Dallas. What's up, Dallas? Um, yeah, let, let, let's get into this because there's other things that don't quite seem right what the media is saying. They were saying that um, he shot up a bunch of black people, which is just not true at all. Every 
person he shot was in fact white <laughs> in fact even the people that he oh well no there was one black guy the jump kick man i believe was black but uh, joshua zeminski was also white so mm-hmm. but the people that he actually hit were yeah. not black and the media is portraying him as some vigilante you know how many news videos that i watched on youtube calling him a vigilante a vigilante can't say that word for some reason but there's a, there's a lot of really weird opinions out there. So and then they were saying he was a white supremacist and all this. And uh, dude, there's just no proof for that. But the funny thing is, I have gone on uh, a lot of lefty uh, YouTube channels, and they've taken away the dislike and the likes on YouTube, which I absolutely abhor. That is awful. But um, I went. Yeah, I don't I know was, why they did that. So I was looking at the comments, and like even uh, what was it? uh young turks uh oh yeah yeah, yeah. i i know that youtube channel and he was talking about it and he was saying how oh i know he's a vigilante and all the comments even on his own channel were saying dude you're wrong (laughs) and then i went to another fella david parkman Uh and same story there there was there was less on david parkman that were saying that he was wrong but i don't know who that is but uh he's he's I say he's more left than um, uh, Young Turks. He's okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but he, I would say he's. I have a better opinion of him though because I say that he is more intellectually honest than uh, Young Turks. Young, Young Turks, Turks is just they're more. Oh gosh, I don't. I don't. I don't I, know, I know anything they do right. I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, but you know, at least sometimes the David Parkman guy. I, I think that he sometimes will say some things that I'll be like, eh, I can see how somebody could honestly come to that conclusion. And, you know, I, I imagine that if I talk to him, I would have a civil conversation. But if I talk to mm-hmm. uh, that other guy, Shank, Shank Uger or something like that, nah, nah, I don't think we could ever have a, <laughs> we could even disagree agree to disagree, you know? Mm-hmm. No. Nah. But anyway, even on some of the far left lot of places all even the places that have large followings like that people disagree so naturally if you go to the um the media um youtube sites sure like M- msnbc or something like that nah they all they have even worse um they, almost nobody agrees with them because you know people they're, they're more likely to get moderates i think in those areas but you know the media is even worse than when it comes because the media I, I is that, worse the media doesn't even try, man. They don't even try. I think that the David Parkman and all that, those people, they they put the whole story out there and they just have different conclusions than I do. The media, mm. they don't even put the whole story out there. They they go in and they, they pick their little buzzwords and all that sort of thing. And uh, for instance, they, they'll say things like, he uh, illegally crossed state lines with a gun. Well, none of what he did was illegal when it comes to having that gun. Except possibly a straw purchase, which I don't even know if that was a straw purchase or not. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's a little iffy. That one hasn't even been decided yet. But if if there ever was a gray area around um, a straw purchase, that would be this case. It's definitely not a clear cut. That, but he he legally could carry a gun. He could legally purchase a gun. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if he knew that he could legally purchase a gun, but he could legally purchase a gun. And it doesn't require a obscure hunting uh, loophole. That loophole um, that they, they mention a lot in the media 
it, it had it's what 2029 20, uh the statue is 29304 i believe um i have it here just give me a second <laughs> yeah 29304 is the uh the is the law the statutes restricting restrictions on hunting and use of firearms by a person under 16 so he was 17 at the time so right. the idea is that this law created some sort of a loophole because he was 17 and not quite 18 and so and in this uh they say well just because it only restricts people who were 16 and under therefore it doesn't include anyone who's uh in that uh 16 to 18 range which another law says uh, is illegal which which one would that be that would be statute 948.6 uh well actually point 60 uh because it's not point, it's not 60 anyway that one says it is illegal for someone under the age of 18 to have a uh rifle except um in section 3b it says this does not apply to anyone under the age of 18 who uh, falls under certain exemptions, and one of those being the hunting regulation thingy. But that isn't even. But that charge was dismissed because the law did not make it illegal, and the law that the, the pro- defense argued was not even this law. Was not thirteen uh, twenty nine point three zero four. What they argued was what was it? Uh, was not in compliance with twenty nine. Point uh, five nine three. So they used even a different exception. They could have used both of them, but they they didn't even argue the hunting one. So when the when the media comes out and says he was using a uh, a, a loophole for hunting and sure, it, it, no, that not even the case. Yeah. They didn't even argue the one that is about hunting. So if you want to know like the full legal analysis of the, the, um, the court and, Oh, another one they talk about is judge Schroeder and saying that judge Schroeder was biased and that, you know, uh, judge Schroeder allowed them to call the guys who got shot looters and rioters, but they weren't able to refer to them as victims. So the defense could call them looters and rioters, but the prosecution could not call them victims. Well, that's not necessarily exactly true because even though the prosecution was not allowed to refer to them as victims mm-hmm. because it was it, a victim in legal definition implies that there was a crime even right, though right. when you say victim you may or may not mean a crime because mm-hmm. we can say ah i'm a victim of blah 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 or whatnot and then you don't even you don't even mean a crime you're just like ah i was a victim of misfortune or something like that sure that's not a crime right in law Victim means that there was a crime committed. And mm-hmm. if there's a crime committed, then there was a person who perpetrated the crime. And so if you assume victim, then you're assuming guilt of the uh, right. defendant in this right. case. But the defense was not allowed to call them rioters and looters. There were stipulations on what they had to prove that there was rioting and looting and there was rioters and looters mm-hmm. before they could call anyone a rioter and a looter. So... And that didn't apply to the um, witnesses. The witnesses could say whatever they saw. A witness could say, I saw a victim. And the witness could say, I saw a looter or a rioter. Doesn't matter. And the judge even stepped in at one point. The um, the prosecutor, the defense said somebody was a looter. And the uh, a prosecutor objected. And the judge abstained that objection saying, you can't call that person a looter. So 
it, and it's not even like the judge was being biased in this case necessarily. This is an old standing tradition of his and in his courtroom, this is the way that he runs things and he has a history of doing it this way and he's always done it this way. So it's not like he was making an exception for this case. And there's a lot of misconceptions like this that are reported and perpetrated by the media. And funny enough, if you want a actual lawyer to explain this and make sense, and and this guy is actually a little bit of a lefty, he's an anti-Trumper, is legal legal on YouTube. He did a, an analysis on the media in uh, oh interesting in this case, and so he's like, no, there there is no bias here. In fact, if there is a bias, it's a good bias because we want the law to presume innocence. So. Yeah, if you really want a good breakdown on, on it, better than I could do, the legal eagle is. Um, oh, if you give me a link, I'll it. include it in the description. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the funny thing is, he's not biased for Kyle. He actually <laughs> is not in favor of Kyle. And, okay. Uh, well, not necessarily in favor. He believes that the jury came to the right conclusion, but he doesn't. He says mm-hmm. just because the jury came to the right conclusion does not necessarily mean that Kyle is innocent. It just means that he's not proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, which are two different things. Um, which is why I'd say that, that my first statement being controversial that Kyle is innocent is controversial because it's not what the jury decided. They just determined that he's not guilty. Should he have ever been tri- tried? I do believe so. Uh, I believe that he should have been tried, and I do believe that the justice system did come to the right conclusion. Okay. But I think that given the circumstances where there was, I mean, there was a lot of going on that night. There were three guys who got shot Mm -hmm. and one of them being Gage Grosskreutz was not, I don't believe in a crime. So we have a guy who I don't believe was committing crime who got shot. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that should be investigated. Okay. And I don't know whether Anthony Huber was committing a crime. Do you think that will be, do you think that will be investigated? Uh, Anthony Huber? The, the guy that got shot with the skateboard. No. Uh, the, the United States courts have a long history of not prosecuting dead people because well, why no, no, would you no, no, ever- no, they're not going to prosecute. I didn't mean that, do you, but do you think that they're going to investigate like why he was there that night? No, no. They don't care. He's dead. Really, well, they don't. I mean, yeah, I suppose nothing good will come of it. Yeah, they they have actual criminals they need to catch. <laughs> so why why look at? You're right. Uh, You're right. <laughs> uh, so the people who lived are the people who are going to be prosecuted, like um, Joshua Zeminski, the guy with the pistol at the very beginning. Right. right. He's been prosecuted. Now I don't. That's and. I, so this kind of brings us to my other controversial opinion, and that is I like Binger. I was watched I watched him and I kind of got a little bit of respect for the guy. I think he's a good lawyer. And a lot of people who And like, that's Rittenhouse's lawyer? No. No. That is the prosecutor. That's the pros- prosecutor. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people hate the prosecutor because uh, they believe that Rittenhouse is innocent, which I also believe. And they believe that So um, why do you like the prosecutor? It, Tell me why you like him. Uh well, he's really good at his job, and uh-huh. the way that it works is a prosecutor is supposed to bring the best case that he can possibly bring. He's not supposed to necessarily bring um, a case saying whether or not somebody's guilty or innocent. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to present the evidence to the jury, and the jury's supposed to weigh the credibility of his argument and then decide whether or not he's proved beyond a reasonable doubt of guilt. So his and defense 
they're not their job is not to present evidence true and factual. Ne- neither lawyer is to present evidence true and factual, really. I mean, yes, they are. They're not supposed to lie, but they're not. But they're allowed to put their spin on it a little bit. They're supposed to draw things as far to one side as they can. So mm. the prosecutor is supposed to say, well, there could have possibly been malice in this person's intent. There could have possibly been a crime committed here. And these are the best evidence showing a crime. And the defense is supposed to say the exact opposite, as far as way that they can. They're supposed to stretch every little thing and pull on every little piece. A good example of this is there was brought up a video that the defense was objecting to because they say, you know, you can't zoom in because that distorts the image. And there's, um, and because... As you zoom in, the screen uh, on on pixels, then the, there's pixels that get automatically populated and that distorts the image. And it's kind of a nonsensical argument mm-hmm. because I don't really have an issue with someone zooming in on distortion. But they're supposed to argue the strongest defense that they possibly can because the idea is the jury is supposed to look at it and say whether or not it makes sense. And they're just supposed to push as far as they can and try to challenge every piece of evidence brought forward they're supposed to try as hard as possible as they can to get their client off or to reduce the charge or as much as they can they're not supposed to bring out the truth and the same is true of the prosecutor and then the jury decides so i really do believe that the the district attorney assistant district attorney binger in this case Mm. is people they see him as being a liar and misrepresenting the facts and trying to get somebody who's innocent locked up well that's not the case he's just trying to present the best prosecution case that he possibly can with um and present one side of the argument as best as possible even if parts of it get nonsensical and whimsical you know Mm -hmm. even if you're you're arguing really crazy things like um, that Kyle Rittenhouse plays um, Call of Duty. So therefore, it, <laughs> and he's supposed to try and bring in as much evidence as he can. He's supposed to try and bring in everything that he thinks is relevant or could possibly even be relevant that he may or may not think is relevant, but maybe the jury does. He's supposed to bring in as much as he can against his client and the uh, against his, uh, not his client, <laughs> against the defendant yeah (laughs) and he did that so when people get mad at binger i'm like well really he's just doing his job really good Mm -hmm. he only made a few issues as far as i can see and those ones did not actually turn out to be significant but if he had gotten a guilty conviction there would have been an appeal and there would have been a few mistakes that he made that would have been brought up in the appeal. And that's not a good thing. But I think that as far as trying to get a conviction or trying to get the jury to say that there was a crime committed by Kyle, no lawyer could have done a better job than being. I see. All right. I think and I read somewhere that they brought up that Kyle uh, had some sort of uh, target practice in his backyard or something. Uh. No, I believe that was in Wisconsin at his friend's backyard. Oh, okay. But the thing about Binger being the best prosecutor as he possibly could is that means that the jury finding Kyle innocent, well, not innocent, but finding him not guilty, means no reasonable person, if they look at the facts, should be able to consider that Rittenhouse is uh, guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. No reasonable person should ever think that. 
Mm-hmm. And you can kind of thank Binger for doing that because he put forward the best case that he could. And the best case that he could, a reasonable fo- person found, does not persecute beyond a reasonable belief. So therefore, no reasonable person. And you can say that with confidence. No reasonable person should find Kyle guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Mm. Because Binger did a good job. Yeah. Except one part where he did kind of uh, comment on um, sort of violating uh, someone's Fifth Amendment, which <laughs> is definitely frowned upon, highly frowned upon. But that was one moment in a cross-examination. Well, I guess it's say two moments back to back in a cross-examination. <laughs> so, yeah, there was a, an iffy part. There was a really iffy part in his prosecution. But if you just disclude that one piece, I think he did a good job. Nice. All right. Uh, well, were there uh, any other unsettling moments through, uh, throughout this trial? The used car salesman. How has nobody talked about the used car salesman? Uh, <laughs> oh yes, you've told me about this. There was a pros- guy brought by the prosecution who, uh, he was the owner of the car sales lot that Kyle was defending. Now, I mentioned that he had two friends. I don't remember the names of them. I should have written them down. I wrote down everybody else. I got, you know, Anthony Huber and Gage Grosskreutz and. Right, uh, right. <laughs> uh, but this um, friend who was a former uh, employee of the used car assault, uh, lot mm-hmm. um, was asked to come to the car lot and help put out fires the previous day. Then he was asked to help guard that place that night. Now, I don't know if the word guard was specifically brought up, but he was asked to spend the night there because people have been setting the fire place on fire and that he would be paid $200 for spending the night at car source. Mm-hmm. And they gave him car, uh, not car keys, keys to the building so he could get on top of the roof. And they gave him, um, I don't know, they also um, were there on the lot, saw him there, saw him there with Kyle. So all of this stuff going on and then did not say anything about, hey, you guys aren't supposed to be here. Get out of here. So they weren't trespassing at all. They were asked to be there. All the evidence suggests that they were asked to be there. Kyle Rittenhouse even got his phone number <laughs> and they took a picture with all of them in a line in front of car source, including the one of the owners of the car source place. Now, in testimony, he denies quite um, uh, directly that he ever asked anyone to be there at all. And he's clearly lying because there's a guy who has keys to his own building. How do you say, oh, he wasn't supposed to be there? How did he get the keys? Obviously, he was given the keys. I I don't know. But the reason why he was denying this so um, adamantly is because, you know how we were saying that nobody would sue Kyle? Because there's no money yeah, to be got. You sue, you sue that guy. You sue that guy and you sue that guy's insurance company. The only way that you get any money from suing Kyle is by suing that guy. And the only way that that guy can get sued is if he asks Kyle to be there. Or for some reason you could find which he, he had wanted to be there. So he's denying that like it's the play. He has <laughs> nothing to do with that. Because if he says, yes, I asked Kyle to be there, he's definitely going to get sued. Somebody somewhere is going to look at this guy who has millions of dollars in assets. I have no idea how much money he has in um, uh, 
you know, savings on all of that. But if you just look at like the three buildings and all the cars that are on the lot, he has millions of dollars in assets. And even if you can't sue this guy, you can sue his insurance company and you can sue yep. insurance companies have so much money. So when you see somebody say, so that's why, it, you know, you'll see all those signs and billboards and advertisements for, um, were you hit by a company vehicle? Call this lawyer. Because here's the thing. Those lawyers know that they can get tons of money from the insurance companies. They're not yeah. suing the people who hit you. That's why they want company vehicles. Mm-hmm. They don't want personal vehicles because if you're a personal vehicle, I mean, what are they going to sue? Maybe they can sue your insurance company, but the difference is they there's there's less, um, I suppose, credit. Because here's the thing. You're, you're, when you hire a, a truck driver and you put that truck driver on the road, you're then responsible for the truck driver being on the road and you should have known that truck driver shouldn't have been on the road. An insurance company is slightly different. So you, there's just businesses are a lot more liable for their drivers than you are for your own driving. A, a business owner is more liable for their truck driver's driving than they are for their own driving. Well, are you surprised the car salesman is no. scummy? Lawyers' favorite um, love car salesmen. They love car salesmen because if it wasn't for car salesmen, they would be at the bottom of the um, trustability list. Now they're only second to the bottom because car salesmen are the very bottom. (laughs) That's that's an old lawyer joke. So yeah, that one's kind of funny. All right, well... You think anything else is going to come out of this uh, since he's been acquitted? No, yeah. uh, pretty much. I think it's going to be um, just a, f- a foot stamp from, uh, no, a footnote, footnote from here <laughs> a on. Foot stamp. <laughs> <laughs> there was uh, there was a tweet I read uh, this morning about uh, a guy in the university that I believe Kyle is going to, right? Yeah. Who uh, uh, is protesting to get him kicked out and all this stuff, so... Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, I mean, it's not over for Kyle. No, but it's I mean, they're they're taking it really personal now, and uh, it's kind of kind of funny to see, because it's going it's gonna to amount mm-hmm. to nothing. And that, it's kind of an interesting thing, because it is so political. People really don't care what happened that night. They're just interested in the politics of it. Mm-hmm. So... That's why people get so up in arms one way or the other. And so that's kind of why I think that some of my statements people are going to find are controversial, not because they're not true. I believe everything that I said. I really do think that Binger is a good lawyer, and I don't think that he should be debarred. Mm -hmm. And I really do think that Kyle's innocent, and I don't think he should go to jail. And I believe that because I'm trying to see things objectively, but I think people on the political right really think that it would be a political victory to have um, Binger debarred and the whole thing to be seen as a whole sham of justice. Sure. And, you know, they're out to get us right wingers. And I think that the left would see it as a victory as if you went to jail and be like, oh, these murderers are out to kill us. And I think that's why you see the media leaning far one way and you, uh, and you see Fox News leaning far the other way. And it's just a divide down the political line. Mm-hmm. The only person that I've kind of seen who's been of the same thing where they don't divide politically would be a fella by the name of Destiny. Uh, he's a lefty who he believed that Kyle's le- uh, was legal, did legal things. He doesn't believe that what Kyle did was moral, but he does believe that what Kyle did was legal. Fully in his right to protect himself. Yeah. Which kind of brings up the question of why was Kyle there in the first place? <laughs> because the question is, do you have a moral right 
to defend against political riots. Because I mean, if I recall on things as they are, I really do believe that all the riots there were not because they were in protest of the shooting of that one fella. It's They were all political based. People really don't care about who got shot or why they got shot. Um, they just care sure. that it's political. And so they were there trying to make a political demonstration to get things more beneficial for their politics. And I believe that's why Kyle was there. He was there knowing that if he can dampen the riots, it dampens the strength of the um, demonstration put forward by the the BLM folks there. I really do think that he was there trying to dampen that. But the question is, is that moral? Because I don't believe that he's apolitical in this um, thing, mm -hmm. but I don't really think that what he did was illegal. If he was there just to be a demonstration, which I do believe is why Rosenbaum was getting in people's faces yelling, shoot me, shoot me, shoot me, because he did not believe anyone was going to actually shoot him. Nobody gets in your face and yells, shoot me, if they don't believe, if they actually believe that person's going to shoot them. Right. It's a dare. It's like you you won't dare to do this. And by doing that, I think he sees it as a way of, I, I suppose, showing that, you know, he can do whatever he wants. He can go about with his demonstrations and not be uh, intimidated by them. Mm -hmm. So Kyle was there driving around town and his friend said that he was defending the business. And then he went there without the person explicitly asking him to defend that business. So the question is, if your hometown was on fire, Eric, mm -hmm. would you go and defend somebody's business if it was non-political? It was just, eh, there, there's, I'm trying to think of a non-political riot. <laughs> uh, uh, what could be a non-political riot? What could people riot about that isn't political? Uh, okay, I got it. I got it. Okay. Uh, there's a natural disaster in your hometown, and there's looters going about, mm -hmm. and there's just a lot of looters showing up, stealing stuff. Mm -hmm. Is it moral for you to go there and look for somebody, anybody, who has something to defend and then trying to defend that for them without really having a formal agreement to defend that item? So let's say you go to a flooded out Katrina. Is it moral for you to go there and say, I will defend your business for absolutely nothing. I just want to get the looting to stop. Is that moral? <sighs> to go somewhere where isn't even I, your I, concern. I mean... Because I think it is kind of moral. It, uh, it's more of a gray area <clears throat> to me. Look, would I go do it? No, because I don't care about people's businesses. <laughs> and yeah. I'm not about to drive three hours to my hometown that I haven't been to in over 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that kind of, but you wouldn't, I guess, say that somebody shouldn't do that. Let's say. I'm not going to say people shouldn't do that. I, I mean, you have a right to defend whatever you want as long as you're doing it legally right right and but it, Texas, at the same time it's like Texas. right at the same time i'm wondering well do you have uh a different intent that you're just not telling people like yeah i want to get i want to go there i'm gonna say that I'm, I'm i'm just helping to defend this area but really i'm hoping people will get aggressive so i can push back you don't know that right. you really don't know that well let's say that um it's a bunch of retired police officers who all are like, oh gosh, 
the police force in this one area that's been hit by a natural disaster are not able to respond. And all of these old retired police officers all show up mm-hmm. uh, and the they put forward like a resume or something to the sheriff there and he deputizes them and they agree that they're going to be there acting as like a sure uh, supplemental police force without pay. Mm-hmm. Is that moral? And these guys are not going around stealing or shooting. They're just out there doing what police regularly do. Uh-huh. That would be considered a good gesture, right? That would be considered yeah. moral yeah. and helpful. So if the person has good intent, typically we would say that it would be a good thing to go and help somebody. And so let's go maybe a little bit closer to the gray zone. Let's say your brother had a business. Uh, he is a big investor, right? And he invests in this company. is isn't really his company. He didn't start it. But he meets with this guy who's got a vision, and he gives that guy a large sum of, sum of money, and they're going to share on the risk. And the business is growing and thriving, and your brother is like, I don't know, one-third owner of a supermarket in a town. Sure. And there's rioting going on and your brother's like oh i'm gonna go defend my investment would you consider that a legal thing i mean let's say it's you know hundred thousand dollars of property or more that but he, he would be insured if anything happened so true but he would lose a lot of just because the insurance covers it does not necessarily mean you won't suffer any loss well no but if I'm being completely honest, I'd probably be one of the looters if it was my brother's business. Because <laughs> I absolutely hate my brother. <laughs> so, you're not asking me the right question right now. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Um, your father? <laughs> um, um, okay. Let's say it was you, and you're defending... Let's say in 20 years, you have a massive business that has multiple podcasts and you have (laughs) trucks that go out searching for Bigfoot. Okay. I like where this is going. And your cars are all parked up at this one place and uh, at at your business one day and there's rioting, looting going around and you have this business. Would you defend your own business? And Uh, let's say that there's what you're actually defending is all the information that you have on your computers. Yeah, the insurance will pay for your computer to get put back, but you have all this information laying around in hard drives and stuff that's not backed up to a cloud or anything. And if the building gets burnt down, you lose tons of informational wealth that you have. Sure, sure. Uh, I suppose I would. No, and you're not fighting to the death. Yeah, you're not I mean, fighting to the death right, in this case. Right, right, right. Um, you're just like, eh, I'm going to hang around my business and just show people that I'm home, turn on some lights, and discourage, you know, everybody but the hardest of looters to come and loot. Because, funny thing, the car source, nobody burnt down the buildings there because there was guys on top of the roof with guns, so nobody burnt it down. And that happens all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um so let me make an analogy to the uh, Korean rooftop guys. Mm-hmm. Um, in this situation, there's a lot of businesses getting burnt down and you realize that, you know, maybe things might be getting dangerous there. How much danger and risk are you willing to take before you stop defending your livelihood? What, what percentage of you dying 
are you willing to take? None. <laughs> what, what, what kind of question is that? I'm not gonna. Because I'm not gonna, in I'm not gonna the sacri- LA riots, sacrifice myself in the LA riots of 1970. I guess this is a little different because we're younger. There was a bunch of old Korean guys, and when I say old Korean guys, I mean like in their 50s. Okay. So really, not all that old. Uh-huh. But these guys are less afraid to die than me and you. <laughs> Even, you know? if, even if I was 70 and I was defending rioters and looters against Little Caesars, right? A place that I love. <laughs> I, I don't think I would I don't think I would put myself in a position of death <laughs> to save a pizza chain. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there was a, a, commu- a, a Korean community in L.A. And there was a lot of Koreans. They all kind of came together and formed their militia. And they defended all of this Korean community in the middle of L.A. during the L.A. riots. I, th- I think it was think, in the 70s. I think I've, I think I've uh, seen documentaries about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's documentaries about it. Now, here's a question. Would you consider it, there was, like, there was a Korean guy, and he would call up his family and just be like, hey, I need all the guys to come down and help me out if they can. And so mm. there were tons of people, friends and family, they were showing up and defending businesses that they personally did not have any financial stake in. Right. But they had emotional stake in the person who did have financial stake in it. And the owner of those businesses, they were fighting to the, you know, they would fight to the end for their business. They weren't going to leave. They're, they're, they'd go down with that uh, building. That's, so, uh, that's nuts. So would you consider it moral to defend somebody else's property if they asked you? Not Maybe to the death, um, because what the and that's a big thing that came up was Kyle Rittenhouse defending a property with deadly force, and I don't think he was. What I'm saying about defending property, no, I don't. I'm think saying he was either. being a visual deterrent, and I believe Kyle was a visual deterrent. Yeah, but do you think that it's legal for? And actually, I think that the fellow Destiny goes even a little further than me, and he says to a certain extent. You should allow people to fight for their own property, but I don't know how far I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I don't ah. know how far. I I wouldn't go too far with that. In Texas, it's legal. (laughs) (laughs) And in fact, in Texas, I can give someone else agency to kill on my behalf in defense of my property. It doesn't even have to be my property. I just have to have any oral or written agreement Mm -hmm. to defend the property. Anyway, but... (laughs) Good old Texas. Um, yeah, people want to uh, give give uh, you know these sorts of crimes that happens with guns and stuff. They want to do more gun control because of it. And if you look at Texas; that just doesn't happen. Yeah, I think it's another thing. Uh, they all give um, a lot of potential uh, particular detail to what gun Kyle was using. Yeah, I mean, really, Kyle could have been doing that with a. Uh, you know, just could have been doing it with anything. Just about in semi-auto. Yeah, really. He could have been doing that with a revolver. Uh, he might have run out of bullets at one point, though, with a revolver. <laughs> I think he fired eight shots total. I'm not sure. So at least at least four that I know of. Uh, no, there is at least six. No, at least seven. At least seven. I'm um, saying four because that's that's pretty much all the shots I I counted and from from well, hearing all. The I can videos, tell you. I can tell you. But he shot Rosenbaum four times. So wow. <laughs> it's more than four. Okay. Funny thing, they say that he shot uh, Rosenbaum in the back. Uh, just a little aside. But 
from the time that he shot him the first time to the time he shot him the last time was under a second. I don't think Rosenbaum had his back towards him, though. Kind of. So let's assume the first shot is legal, right? He's running towards him and he shoots him the first time. How long would you say it takes you to understand that you that your bullet has A, hit, and B, successfully eliminated the target? Let's assume that it becomes immediately apparent after the first bullet hits. Uh-huh. How many seconds does it take the human mind to understand and process that your first bullet has been successful? I don't know. Would you say that it's greater than a second? Let's say a second and a half. Sure, would you say that that sure, is a reasonable sure. amount? Well, let's say it's half that. Let's say it's 75, uh, 0.75 of a second. That means that the first three shots were already fired in half of that time. Four shots were fired in less than a second. I don't even believe that you, it would be even sense of, uh, sen- um, make sense to say that uh, in three seconds you can determine that your bullet was entirely successful because the bullet has to hit, and we're starting from exactly that moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, the bullet hits. The, then the target must display indicators that it is no longer functional. Even if you hit a headshot, okay, and they're dead immediately, and they are definitely not a threat, the body, you won't even necessarily even see that immediately because they will still continue to look like a threat until mm-hmm. you see the back of their head where the bullet came out. You may mm-hmm. even assume that you missed. The uh, actual physical identicators that you have succeeded may not be readily apparent until like half a second after the bullets hit. And then it takes generally a full second for the brain to understand Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. and to start issuing commands. And it takes another like half second sometimes for your brain to actually start your body into that motion. So if he starts shooting and hoping that one of these bullets will work, he's just going to shoot until hopefully this guy is no longer a threat to him. That happens way after he's done firing the fourth shot. Because the first shot hit him in the hip. That's what the coroner says. Okay. First shot hit him in the hip and maybe broke his, uh, definitely broke his pelvis. And that he may have started falling at that point if he was relying on, you know, not falling over from that hip. But even if he's falling forward, it's still, how long does a fall stop looking from a lunge? And that's how he got hit. Quite a long that's how he got hit in the back because as he was falling down forward okay the bullet hit like just behind his collarbone as he was going forward Uh uh-huh um his body was a little twisted to the side because his one of his arms was definitely reaching forward second bullet actually went straight through his hand his outreached hand so it was obvious that his hand was open trying to grab the gun or perhaps even grabbing the front of the gun, which is the worst part of grabbing the gun. <laughs> you know, if you're going to grab a gun, don't grab it with your hand over the barrel. <laughs> anyway, yeah. the end of the barrel. Um, so yeah, there is the I. So that is what the jury means when they when I say um, no reasonable person could find beyond a reasonable doubt that he was guilty of murder. So when the jury says you know, comes to their unanimous decision of nine people, all unanimously deciding this. Um, When somebody says on the line, I don't understand why he shot the guy three more times after disabling him with the first shot. First off, we don't know if he was actually disabled with the first shot. And then the ridiculousness, the absurdity of saying that he shot him three more times knowing that he was dead or or disabled. That's not the case. That's definitely not the case. 
there's no way he could have known. He probably didn't even know by the time that he had run away from, because he, he know that he went down and then he ran away and then looped back around the car. Mm-hmm. He probably did not know until he had come all the way around the car and saw his body again, not moving on the ground that he was actually disabled. He may have just been shot and fallen down and maybe could have still gotten up. You never know. He didn't know. Because it's not like in um, a video game where you kill somebody and you get this little indicator that pops up on your screen and says they're dead. Have you ever watched Escape from Tarkov? Um, uh, I watched Eric, a few clips. That game does not have a you killed the enemy indicator. It doesn't even have an indicator that you hit the enemy. Sometimes you can hear the enemy's character dying. You can hear them gasping for breath and dying. But there has been many times I've watched people playing Escape from Tarkov, because I've never played it myself, where they shoot somebody, kill them, and they don't even know for the, like, the next five minutes. And they're slowly like trying, walking around the compound going, okay, he's probably over here. Nope, he's over here. And like they slowly enter the building and they clear this window, clear that window, go this way. And they come across a dead guy and they're like, oh, he was dead this whole time because there was no indicator. It's the same thing. That game is supposed to be realistic. Uh-huh. The, and the, the most realistic thing about it, I think, is that feature where you don't know what your bullets have done downrange until you've actually gotten up close and inspected. Mm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, <sighs> that is why I will maintain that if somebody thinks that Kyle Rettenhouse is guilty after looking over the case, you are not a reasonable person. And the law shows that. <laughs> right, right. Well, it is the law that a reasonable person, well, it's not the law that a reasonable person can't find Kyle Rittenhouse um, uh, guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. But I would say that it is uh, implied by the law that you are not reasonable if that's what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think we, uh, I think you covered, <laughs> you covered everything there. Uh, no, actually, there. I could probably go for another hour because I haven't discussed a lot of the things that people actually dislike about um, what they believe the prosecutor was withholding evidence and that there was a conspiracy <laughs> yeah. by the FBI against Kyle Rittenhouse. Really? That, yeah, because there was evidence that came out from the FBI uh, surveillance, one of the FBI surveillance drones uh-huh. that... Um, didn't even know involved. Oh, yeah. That was one of the main uh, pieces of evidence is there was drone footage of the whole incident, pretty much. And they're saying the FBI withheld but, this information? Uh, lost it. The <laughs> FBI says that they lost... Unable um, to locate. <laughs> there, there were Because there's two cameras on the drone. One was an infrared drone, uh, infrared... Uh, yeah, camera. Heat-seeking camera. And then there was one that was night vision, just regular okay. night vision. They lost the night vision one. And they lost a portion of, so they lost the entirety of the night vision one and they lost a portion of the infrared one. Mm. So all you have is a segment of the infrared uh, from the FBI. There's also another video that was never released until after the evidence had been closed and you could not emit any more evidence to case. Mm -hmm. The video came out showing that um, Kyle Rittenhouse was not pointing a gun at uh, Joshua uh, Zeminski and that Joshua Zeminski had a gun already out before uh, Kyle supposedly pointed a gun at him. So there, and then there's also the one that the, perhaps the uh, prosecutor um, compressed a video and sent a low resolution video of the surveillance video that the FBI had taken. So of the infrared video, 
When it went to the prosecutor, when the prosecutor is supposed to, in discovery, send their video by law to the defendant saying they're going to introduce this evidence in the case, they sent a compressed version of the video that was only, that was like half the size and much grainier. I don't believe any of that, though. Um, I don't know about the compressed video. I do kind of think it's suspicious that the FBI. Everything I mean, that they it, do is suspicious. Come on. It come is. On. I mean, they're a secret agency that has secret drones there on a night, and they never have ever claimed to have had surveillance drones ever watching the United States public. I've never heard of this before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now they're just like, oh, yeah, here's some evidence, but only half of it because we lost the other half. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's fishy to me. That is fishy. That is fishy. But you know what? I think that'll go really good with our um, conspiracy show. The next episode, I really want to do uh, do one about just uh, general conspiracy beliefs because we haven't done one of those in a while. Okay. So I think it'll be fun. And then after that, Christmas. Christmas. Oh yeah. I. Uh, ooh. Well, maybe. I, I might have to do the Christmas one on my own, depending on if uh, oh no, you I go think, through I with think, something. I think I think I should be able <clears throat> to join you for that one. But I would say, I do believe everything that happened that night was very miraculous for Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah, considering the amount of I mean, hate towards him, I, I'm how, very surprised that he came out on top. And the, ex- the extreme scrutiny that every inch of every... Uh, footage of film that was put forward was analyzed every every second oh, yeah. almost every oh, yeah. frame was extremely analyzed and never once did i really ever see him do anything that i'd say is questionable and i've seen a lot of videos of people uh defending themselves with firearms i have to say that too all the videos i saw of kyle rittenhouse that i've seen uh i did not see him doing anything unmoral you know like uh be, being um aggressive or anything like that uh he's uh-huh. all the videos i saw he was he was trying to genuinely be helpful and telling people to back uh-huh. off just leave leave the area just go away <laughs> and I, I never saw him flag anyone with a rifle accidentally except for right. maybe like one point where he, when he gets knocked down and he rolls over yeah, but, I mean, it kind of at that point, he was using the gun to shoot people. So, um, I mean, at that point, it was self-defense. It, it's kind of hard to. But then here's the thing. When he was rolling over on the ground, he had his finger off the trigger, which I mean, that's well, that's the thing that I, I, I've seen videos of police officers who have had worse trigger discipline. than. <laughs> and those guys train in use of force. And I never saw him point a gun. And I think that there was a there's a video that came out post. um post-trial showing that Kyle Rittenhouse never pointed a gun at Joshua Zeminski. Mm-hmm. So that means that he never pointed a gun at a place that it wasn't supposed to be, kept his finger off the trigger until he was ready to shoot. I mean, he yeah, followed... Yeah, that's another thing. He always kept his gun of off, off to the side of him. Like, he never raised it or anything. Uh, yeah, even when he, things- even when they were like, hey, what kind of gun is that? You know, he's all like, this is my blah, 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 whatever. But he kept it to the side, and he never brought it up. And and I think he even got lucky with Gage Grosskreutz because Gage Grosskreutz, you could say, with a guy who didn't really need to die. I don't ex- really think that Gage Grosskreutz was committing a crime in what he did, mm-hmm. but he didn't shoot Gage Grosskreutz and kill him. He shot him in the arm, the arm with the pistol. I mean, if you take that scenario, Gage Grosskreutz comes running up to Kyle and they're both standing there. With a, both of them having a gun, both of them with a gun ready to shoot someone, 
you know, with the with the um, bullet in the chamber, safety's off, ready to go. What is the probability that both of them survive that encounter? Very slim. Mm-hmm. If you ran that prob- that scenario a thousand times, I guarantee you that the vast majority of those times, one of the two of them would end up dead. Mm-hmm. But they both survived. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good thing. I don't necessarily wish that Gage Groschwitz had died. I don't wish that at all. So, and that's kind of why I wish I knew more about Anthony Huber. I wish I, I knew what Anthony Huber was thinking. And I wish I knew that well, whether or not Anthony Huber had actually seen Rosenbaum get shot. Because I think anyone who had seen the Rosenbaum shooting would have been able to determine that, oh, that was uh, at least a, a combat between two individuals. Mm-hmm. And that it's not an active shooter and we don't have a rampant killer. We have so even if it was murder, you wouldn't necessarily need to fear for your life because it was a fight between two people. You know, mm-hmm. if you saw a bar fight and one guy pulls a gun and shoots the other guy, you're not like, oh, my gosh, he's going to shoot me next. He's like, oh, well, he just murdered that guy. He's probably not going to go and kill everyone else. He had a target and that was over. It was between two individuals. Right. So well, I don't think I think the vast majority of people in that bar would be running and screaming out of the bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think getting away from that would be very safe, but right. I don't necessarily assume, and especially once he started running towards the police line, that you wouldn't be like, oh, well, he's trying to kill somebody. Right. Especially like all point. the time that's elapsed and all of that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what Anthony Huber thought. Now, I know what Gage Grosskreutz thought because Gage Grosskreutz had a film that he wasn't there at the time the shooting t- took place. And all he knows is that there's a bunch of people chasing this guy with a gun and that guy just shot somebody. Mm-hmm. So... I do believe that what he did, what Gage Grosskreutz did was stupid. I don't believe you should chase fleeing felons. So even if you did believe that Kyle Rittenhouse was a murderer, I don't believe it's necessarily the smart choice to chase after him, but I don't think it's illegal to chase after him. Just like I don't think it's illegal to go and defend somebody else's business, but you have no financial or uh, family connection to. I don't think it's illegal, but I don't think it's smart. I don't think it's mm-hmm. Ill- illegal to chase somebody who you believe is a murderer down the road and be like, hey, you murderer, I'm going to get you. <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily illegal. I don't think it's smart. I definitely don't think it's smart. All right. All right. Well, um, we'll just, we just won't know what he was thinking that night. Yeah. Unless, so unless, wish- unless by some chance, right, he had a, he had told somebody and that well, person came forward with his, his side yeah. of the story. But even then, you know. I got some more stuff, too. (laughs) Uh I'm looking at the probability of people being felons. Um, The probability of an adult male in the age range range of everyone involved, the probability of one of them, uh, of not one of them, but of any one of them, uh, maybe I'm saying this wrong, of one person of their age range to be a felon is one out of six. One out of six. Yeah. Okay. The probability of them being a felon who served time in prison skyrockets all the way up to <laughs> one out of 20. So, no, no, one out of one out of 17. It's kind of close to 20. Okay. Of the people that got shot, both of them, well, of, got killed. Both of them had served time in prison. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> of the fel- federal prison... Federal prison. I sorry. I need to. I need to back this up. I'm going too fast over my statistics. <laughs> one out of th- uh, one out of three had been in. Um, no, one out of three. One out of six uh, people have served time in some jail of some capacity. Uh, of males of that age range have served mm-hmm. time in a prison of some capacity. One out of 
of 17 have served time in a federal prison. Rosenbaum and Anthony Huber had all been to federal prison. Not federal, but federal or state. Of the other guys that were involved, I don't know if Gage Groskowitz had been to a regular prison. I know that he had been arrested before, I believe. Um, okay. No, 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 no. I just believe that he had a really bad traffic record. I'm not sure. Uh, okay. Uh, but the other guy, Jump Kick Man, that guy, he had been arrested and he had gone to a county jail. Mm. So, uh, so he had not been to federal prison. But of the guys that died, it's just, I think it is very obvious who was involved in these riots. It's not like they were just anybody. We have criminals doing criminal activity. Yep. And, and when it comes to a political thing, it shows that there is, um, I suppose, a whitewashing of criminals who are out looting and rioting. Not saying that everyone there was loot- looters and rioters, but I would say that the people who took violent action were criminals. And I, I think that that should not be taken into consideration legally, but should be taken into consideration when you're making political, cl- um, when you're of a political ideology and you're like, ah, oh, I'm going to backtrack from my understanding of what my political values are and then come to the agreement of my political party, you should think, well, maybe I should look at this as evidence that maybe what I'm doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, I don't feel as well. Wrong. You would think. But... It's, yeah, I don't, uh... <laughs> anyway, anyway. But I do have one thing. If I can leave you, with my final thought on the matter. Okay? Okay. Final we should thought. have a Rosenbaum challenge. You know how there is uh, the Darwin Award? <laughs> yeah. The Rosenbaum challenge is when you yell, shoot me, shoot me, shoot me, and somebody takes you up on it. You have successfully completed the Rosenbaum challenge. Because <laughs> there's a lot of videos I see of people, you know, they bow up to somebody with a gun and be like, oh, what you going to shoot? Do shoot me? Come on, man. Shoot me. Shoot me. That's the Rosenbaum challenge. I've seen a lot of that. And when you succeed the Rosenbaum challenge, that's when the other guy actually does shoot you. I would advise you listeners not to say that. Yeah. The Rosenbaum <laughs> challenge is the, um, it's like the Darwin Award where if you win it, it's because you're doing things wrong. Okay. Well, I suppose that will conclude today's episode. Uh... Who knows? Maybe we'll do a part two if anything else comes out. I don't think it will, but uh, if it does, we'll do a part two. Uh, yeah, so um, Conrad gave us his final thoughts on the matter. That was all it, right? Uh, I mean, it depends how long you want to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that, that about does it. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thank you for listening to Bizarre Conspiracies, and we will catch you in the next episode.